Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of the Bavarian Podcast Work Show. Today, I am joined by Schnitzel, and we are going to be reviewing the Champions League round of 16 draw, which just took place for the second time in the day. That was chaotic. Schnitzel, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Just, you know, kind of getting over UFR's big gaffe earlier today. And it is just typical UFR, you know. I mean, if they don't rig draws, if they don't, uh, you know, intentionally pit some top sides against each other to create some storylines or, you know, defend the clubs that they support or they want to see in the latter stages, they just end up messing things like this. So I'm not, you know. You have a complete circus. So I guess we can chalk that up to their own incompetence, although they did blame the entire fiasco on a software problem. Bayern Munich have drawn RB Salzburg. We were going to do this a few hours ago with Bayern drawing Atletico Madrid, which was a much more difficult tie. But at least we got Salzburg. That's, I wouldn't say an easy draw, but at least easier than Atletico. So Schnitzel, tell me, what do you know about Salzburg? What do you think is going to happen? Okay, this is certainly an upgrade. I'd like to tell you that first and foremost, because Atletico, I just hate playing them. They are such a physical, rough side that nobody wants to play. And I don't want half the Bayern squad injured before the quarterfinals. So I would take Salzburg any day over Atletico. But I do think that it is a fairly uh, challenging draw for Nagelsmann, considering Salzburg are a team that loves to press. And you have mentioned before in both podcasts and posts at BFW that Nagelsmann can struggle. Nagelsmann's teams can struggle against opposition teams that tend to, you know, adopt a high counter-pressing approach. And Salzburg are just yet another side that, you know, press with all their might and throw everything at at their opponent. So I'm sure you would agree, you know, with that assessment. Exactly. The Salzburg team is, like, I don't know anything about Salzburg. First of all, I didn't watch their games in the Champions League group stage and I did not watch them in the Austrian Bundesliga because, let's be real, who watches the Austrian Bundesliga? But Salzburg, Uh, I I really hope, I I hope you don't offend RLD, you know. (laughs) He's probably going to come at you with a hammer or something. Fine, whatever. He's in Canada. He can't get me. So the thing about this is that all the Austrian Bundesliga, we don't know anything about it. But Salzburg itself, they have a brand of football. This is the Red Bull brand of football. It was codified by Ralf Ragnick. It is pressing and possession and nice, vibrant, stacking football. As far as I know, they have another great crop of youngsters who are doing really Absolutely. well. Yeah, yeah. and... They have one of our transfer targets in Karim Adiemi, which could yes, be an interesting storyline. And you are also yeah. a pretty big fan of him. Am I? Yeah. I mean, you do mention that he is doing pretty well for Germany and you wanted him to maybe be the post Coleman contingency plan in case he moves away this summer. I didn't I don't remember saying that. Um, you must be com- confusing me with someone else because I think Adiemi is a little bit overhyped. Oh wow. Okay. I mean, he is one of the most wanted attackers in Europe at the moment and I think is he though? More or less like it is between him. it's kind of a three-way game between Dortmund Bayern and Barcelona at the moment and you have so basically you have one team that is broke one team that only buys youngsters and another team that just sees a future German national team prospect so I don't think Adiemi is that like he's not an early Holland like a Holland you remember he was yeah, at Salzburg sure. everyone wanted him Compared to that, Adiemi, I don't think he is that kind of player. And I think there was that notion that Adiemi could play striker for Germany and Bayern. But that notion has been dispelled recently. Like, it's quite obvious that he is a winger. And that's the reason why I don't really think that he is a huge target for Bayern. 
like if Kingsley Coman leaves and if we can't get Ospan Dembele, then sure, Adeyemi would not be a bad option. But like he isn't a super duper top German talent. Like I would say Muziala, Florian Wirtz, those guys are absolute top talents. Adeyemi is a step below that. I think that is pretty fair to say. I mean, Muziala and Wirtz, they're on a different level. Season after season, they're just showing us what they have. But uh, aside from that, aside from Adeyemi, there are some youngsters that I would like to bring your attention to who are less known but are also drawing a lot of interest from multiple clubs around your big clubs. And one of these is youngster Brendan Aronson from the USA. And he joined Salzburg, I think, last season. And he's been doing really well in the Austrian Bundesliga. And there's Benjamin Sesko, who is, you know, a forward. He's just 18 years old. And Bayern Munich is also interested in signing him. We are. As are so many other clubs. Yeah, he's 18. I think we did cover this in one of our, you know, posts earlier this year. Uh, he's Slovenian and he's 1.94 meters in height. He's like almost wow. the height of Nikola Zuna. Yeah. And uh, he is very physical and he's a pure number nine. Damn. That would be not bad, but right now, technically, we don't need another number nine because, you know, Lewandowski. I'll take your word for it because I don't watch Salzburg. I just think that their playing style will make it a very interesting, entertaining game. And I I like the time because it's also really close by. Like, it's just two hours from Munich. So I've been to Salzburg when I was in Munich. I visited Salzburg and it was really easy to get there. Really nice city. So I think the players will also enjoy it. Like, it's barely even an away game. It's closer to us than Augsburg. So yeah. then again, then again, given our results against Augsburg this season, maybe that might be in a disadvantage. But it is, it is, um, you know, better than going to Atletico Madrid and getting the daylights kicked out of you while an English ref just watches there and doesn't do anything. I'm glad. And speaking of Atletico Madrid, that draw, that what a fiasco! Like Atletico. I'll say this about Atletico. You could see the fear coming through their Twitter posts when they said that we have officially lost a complaint in UEFA about the draw because you could feel that they did not want to face us. And I could feel that from everyone. What a disaster for UEFA. You could, I've never seen anything like this. And, you know, I have to say, like, this is going to hurt UEFA's credibility and it's not going to do anything good for all the accusations that these draws are rigged, especially since Chelsea ended up getting Lille yet again. Like, what the hell is yeah. up with that? I mean, some were, some were saying that uh, Roman Abramovich's money is well-placed. Yeah. <laughs> if you remember, uh, there were, like, allegations a few years ago of, like, you know, the UEFA draw balls being at different yeah, everyone, temperatures. Yeah, everyone yeah, knows yeah. That. that. That's a, that's a joke why the UEFA, UEFA t- took so long to reschedule the draw because they were putting the balls in the freezer to get them cold <laughs> enough. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, that's the thing that's going on. And I think that out of all the redrawn draws, I think, who do you think got shafted? Because I think Real Madrid and PSG won't be happy with their new draws because sure. PSG yeah. were getting Man United. Now they have Real and also Atletico Madrid. I'm not sure they are very happy with that. Obviously, they're happy to not face Bayern, but they could have faced someone other than Man United, I guess. Uh, and now that Atletico, well, they'll have to face Cristiano Ronaldo again. And we know that Atletico turned into absolute mentality midgets against Cristiano Ronaldo. So, yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. Inter yeah. drew against Liverpool. Um, I don't think that's going to be a very competitive draw. I think Inter are going to lose 4 or 5 nil on aggregate, maybe more. And who else do we have? I'm just looking I at feel, the I feel that, uh, you know, PSG is definitely going to be quite upset because... Real Madrid 
are definitely, at least in the Champions League, an upgrade over Man United. And they are definitely more difficult to face. I'm not sure, you know, it's going to be as clear-cut as some suggest, though it's some some people seem to think that PSG's front line is just going to carry them. But I believe it's going to be much closer than that. Actually, I think it's the opposite of that. I think most people are saying that Real Madrid have it in the bag because Real have looked very impressive this season. Like, we are talking about Atletico Madrid like they are this great juggernaut of a team, but uh, Real just swatted them aside last night, so... Yes, yeah, yeah. So, and Real United really do... Another... I, think, I think they do look like a favorite for the Champions League. Uh, no, that's a stretch in my opinion. I think Real Madrid are good at the moment, but the Champions League is a different beast. And at the moment, I rate Liverpool, Man City, Bayern, Chelsea, and... You know, even Ajax over Real Madrid. So I think that's, there are that's a little. I, I don't think Man City have the mentality to carry them. I'll be honest with you. I think Man City just have too much wealth at their disposal. And that squad is just, you know, just has too much individual quality for them to actually, you know, lose to Real Madrid. We saw even in, I think it was last season Champions League or was it the season before? Real Madrid getting embarrassed by Man City. It was a 4-2 victory and... Real Madrid yeah, but out of it was depth. a lot. Yeah. I think it was a lot closer than it ended up being on paper. And anyway, and, and the main so, and the main reason for that is Man Man City didn't have a striker, and they generated so many chances. Well, they so, don't have a striker so, anymore either. That is true. That is true. But they do have attacking reinforcements in Grealish and a few others. So I mean, I there's a more... limit. Even even for Pep Guardiola, there's a limit to how many attacking midfielders he can put on the team because they have Grealish, they have Foden, they have who do they have? Bernardo Silva. They have. There's so yeah. many players. They have so Kevin many players. De Bruyne. I forgot De Bruyne. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but so, whatever. So Man City, Man City, we know they're going to be in the next round because they got Sporting CP. What What an easy draw. Yeah. Uh, Chelsea and is going easily. Chelsea, yeah. Like, they're going to go through with against Leo. And Juventus Villarreal is going to be close. Juventus Villarreal. Uh, you know, knowing Juventus, they're going to, they're going to lose, but yeah, Real are also doing horribly, horribly in La Liga right now. Like they can barely score any goals and they can not keep clean sheets. So, you know, it's I can probably see gonna be like a, it's going to be yeah. probably the worst display of football out of all of Definitely. these Champions League titles. Like a 1-1 like one, 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 one draw and like a 1-0 victory or something. Yeah, like something, something like that. Close. It could even it could even be nil-nil for the entire 180 minutes, you know? <laughs> yeah. And like just, 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 just imagine watching those, but no one's going to watch that game. So the other final one is Ajax versus Benfica. And I think Ajax has got this one in the bag, even though Benfica, Definitely. they're decent, but nah, Ajax has got this. And yeah. that's going to set up some very juicy ties for the uh, quarterfinals, I guess. Absolutely. And I think uh, Man United, uh, obviously, they'll be happy that they don't have to face PSG, but they're not going to be very happy that it's going to be Atletico Madrid because Atleti have this thing where they, you know, play really well against English sides is defend deep. They do this against everybody, but it's mostly just comes to life against English sides. Liverpool comes to mind, you know, that really historic yeah. victory in the Champions League. I think it was the round of 16 or the quarterfinals. Yeah, it was the and, round of 16 uh, because Nagelsmann yeah, beat yeah. them in the quarterfinals. Study. Oh yeah, yeah, right. So I would say that it's going to be a very, very juicy, difficult fixture for both sides. It's not going to be clear cut. Same with PSG and Real Madrid. So lots of good ties, really excited for the round of 16. Speaking of which, I also forgot to mention, there's also a small storyline in Bayern Salzburg, is the return of Marcel Zabitzer to his, like, you know, youth club. I know he started at Rapid. He's, it, like, is, doesn't that go for a lot of them? The, isn't Upamecano also from Salzburg? I think you're right, yes. Upamecano, uh, 
Marcel Zabitz, so it's going to be very interesting. You yeah, know? it's going to be them interesting. Playing against, in them playing against club. a system that made them. Yeah. Yeah, and they, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's at least going to be more interesting than playing against the Park Pass that is Atletico Madrid. So, Absolutely. yeah, okay. And I guess that's all we have to say about the tie, honestly. Like, can you give me your predictions for each game? Like, I, I'll give you a tie and you give me your winner. Okay. okay so, okay. first we go with Bayern versus Salzburg. Bayern win quite comfortably. It's okay. going to be like 5 1 or something. Okay. Wow. Okay. Next is PSG versus Real. This is tricky. Uh, okay. I'm going to go with a super controversial prediction. I'm going to go PSG win this one. It's going to wow. be close, but I guess Leo Messi just somehow turns up, scores two goals. Okay. Quickly now. City versus Sporting. City. Okay. Chelsea versus Leo. Chelsea. Juventus versus VRL. VRL edge it on penalties, I think. Yikes. Okay. Ajax versus Benfica. Ajax. Man United versus Atletico. Mm, United. Okay. And Liverpool versus Milan. Inter Milan. Liverpool. Liverpool. Okay. Okay. So this has been Schnitzel's predictions. If any of them go wrong, you know who to blame. Now, next, we should just add that we have a game tomorrow against Stuttgart. And since we don't really have time to do a separate preview podcast, we'll just do a quick preview right here. So, Schnitzel, are you aware that Bayern Munich do not have a midfield anymore? Yeah. No Jamal Muziala and Quentin Turiso is also out. So, I mean, did we have a midfield in the previous games? I didn't think so. We had we had at least Muziala and Turiso. Yeah, but they were... I mean, Turiso was pretty much like a... Part-time traffic cone, part-time player. Yeah, and part- was... part-time traffic cone is still better than, I mean, a vast gaping hole in the midfield. So like, yeah, but we, like, do, we literally think... do not have anyone who can play now. So that is going to be the main challenge of Nagelsmann to beat Stuttgart it's... without a midfielder. I think Nianzu might get a chance at the defensive midfield position. If, if not so? that, yeah, I think it's either going to be that or Mark Roca in defensive midfield. And uh, in, you know, the, the eight role, they will have to like, I think Marcel Zabitzer is available, so he could play as the eight. Yeah, they kind of rushed him back just, just to get him ready for this game. I don't think they should force him if he is not fit. It's not like he was playing well anyway, so. Um... I'm going to say something that might not make you very happy, but I'll just go ahead and say it. I think another approach Bayern could adopt is playing Thomas Müller as the eight, Leroy Zani as the ten. And Coman and Serge Gnabry on the wing. Isn't that basically a 4-1-4-1? Yes. Yep. But we like played it it's, before. But it's, it's like better than other formations that are disposal right now. And I think Müller yeah, is but also as, very but good as at long the as, position. Yeah, but as long as Nagelton persists with the back three, I don't see it being successful. It's not. It's not exactly a back three. Considering, like, I mean, Coma, obvi- Coma obviously starts, and he's not exactly like a. Because you, you know, think right about it, you back. start a four-one-four-one, but then it all compresses, and you have Davies moving forward, Pavard staying back. So it again, it's like a huge conglomeration of players all in the box, and then we saw what happened against Mainz, where Lewandowski was completely isolated. He didn't get the ball at all. And I think this is becoming a slow pattern under Nagelsmann where Lewandowski and Muller are just too isolated and the box is just too cramped for anyone to do anything. I think that is one thing that's, that needs sorting out. But I would like to remind you that you know Lewandowski still leads the league in shots and in goals. And Thomas Muller is still the assist leader and he's just doing... Well, obviously. I have to say that these two are the best players in the world at their position. So if they weren't, if Nagelsmann could literally nullify them completely, then he would have to be one of the worst coaches in the world. 
So I don't yeah, think I, it's that. What I'm trying to say like, is. Like, you think yeah. about it. You think about the sheer quality on the pitch for Bayern. They should be doing that as the bare minimum. And then there should be something on top. And there should be something exceptional. And I saw them on the flick. And I don't see that on the Nagelsmann. I believe that Nagelsmann, although some might feel. I just think the flick nostalgia is like creeping up to many, you know, Bayern fans. I think it's the opposite. I think people are forgetting that how good we were under flick. Like, it's only been a few few months but people are the literally first, forgetting the how first season did. was very good but like flick second season in terms of defending it was just vibes man like it was i mean just... it's not like current season we are doing anything other than vibes we are definitely much much better at defending than we were under flick and uh we have just are conceded we? 16 goals we're like the second or the third worst a uh, third best in the t- in the bundesliga in terms of i think that's just i think that's just down to the fact that it's few fewer fixture congestion so we have been much better at pressing in the early part of the season because if you look at it, ever since so the only, last international uh, break, our yeah. our form has completely collapsed because we lost to Augsburg and then every single game after that has been a one-goal margin victory and zero clean sheets only, except against Barcelona. And, and Armenia have Only Freiburg have conceded fewer goals than Bayern in the Bundesliga. And I would also like to point out that we are comfortably in the lead in the Bundesliga, six points ahead yeah, but of Dortmund. I think this is the and most. I think this is the weakest Bundesliga in many, many years because you look, we are the only Bundesliga team in the Champions League round of sixteen. Dude, uh, honestly, I just think I would personally start worrying seriously if we start underperforming in the Champions League, and we can't really see how well Bayern does against the top sides until we actually get to face them. So at the moment, it's just face whoever's in front of you, just get those wins, and that's kind of what you're doing. So you can't really expect those 4-0 or 5-0 victories every single game. That's just too much. And uh, Liverpool isn't doing, you know, the same in the Premier League either. They're just edging out 1-0. I mean, even Man United, they just edged out 1-0 against Norwich uh, yeah, yesterday. We are, so, we are buying Munich. Uh, I have different standards for buying Munich. Like, I don't care what Liverpool are okay. doing or Man City are doing. Fair I enough. just care about Fair buying enough. Munich. You just have so, way too high expectations, I'd say. Just temper them down a bit. I'm a, I'm a Bayern fan. Why wouldn't I have high expectations? That, that's okay. But like, it's going to be very depressing when Bayern lose even a single game because those things happen yeah. in life. So Your team losing, so, it happens so, every once so. and then. Every every now and then the team, like... like I mean, Every, every game no, we lose they can switch off. very sad to me. So you, <laughs> just because we switch off doesn't make the games any less painful to lose. So If you think about it from a player's perspective... Imagine pressing every single game. I mean, there's bound to be a time when you just like, you know, that kind of takes a toll on you and you maybe end up not giving your best performance and that leads to a negative result. But well, that's doesn't bad. mean that, you know, that... <laughs> fair enough. Okay. I just think about the back three as well, that uh, it's just you and a few other people have noticed. You feel like it's a back three. I just think because Benjamin Pavard is playing as the right back, you think it's morphing into a back three. I'm pretty sure if Nicolas Zulu was playing in that position, you would call it the back four. I just think want Nicolas Zulu of, to play there. I just think because of Benjamin Pavard featuring in that position, you're calling it a back three. But I feel it is a back four. It's just Davies goes forward a lot, and we know that he's like a second winger. And that is fine. And Pavard just moves back. Sometimes I mean, we know he can attack as well. And he's like the... I've spoken about this before. He's like Bayern's Aaron Van Bissaka, essentially. So yes. he just can't attack much. And that is fine since he's putting up defensive performances. Like I don't think he's meant to attack. I don't think he can attack. I genuinely think he sucks at defending. 
I think the most recent performances of his suggest otherwise. Like, I think he's been better than before at defending. I think most Obviously, of our most of our goals that we can see are because Pavard is pressing at the wrong time, and therefore he leaves Upamecano out to dry. Anyway, this was supposed to be a short podcast, so let's just leave it there for now. This was I Need No Name and Schnitzel on a special edition of the Pavarian Podcast Work Show. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whichever podcasting platform you like. Go check out our blog. We have news, commentaries, pretty much anything you can think of. We here at BFW will see you next time for our post-game show after Stuttgart. Stay tuned for that and thank you for listening. Good night.